Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Our podcast partner is Levi Solicitors with a 10% discount on your legal fees when you go through our landing page. With 85 years of legal excellence, Levi's have a huge range of legal services, both personal and commercial. So whether it's conveyancing, wills, dispute resolution, employment law, Levi's have got an expert team to take care of you. To get your discount, head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Usual crowd in the house. I'm Dan Moylan. With me remotely, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Just to quickly remind you that issue eight of our fanzine, we still have copies left of that limited number if you want to get hold of those. Websites, same place as well. If you want to grab the Bielsa mugs, the Leeds Street Fighter mugs, new orders going in for all those, all via the squareball.net. Leeds United, a fairly happy camp then now. We're a couple of days on from Saturday. Fulham three points safely in the bag. Stuff that we've kind of, we either missed on the match ball or stuff we want to update on. First of all, I guess is Mitrovic's elbow, which quite apart from the three points, is the big talking point from that game. I mean, he deserves it, doesn't he? I mean, you talk about us missing something from the, the weekend's game. I don't know what Scotty Parker's excuse is, where he's saying that he uh, he didn't see it as he didn't see it as an issue during the game. They have iPads now on the sidelines so that they can look at absolutely everything. We know from the lead side earlier in the season that we got in trouble because our Head of communications was running around the tunnel with a an iPad showing the referee what had gone on on the pitch. The idea that nobody at any point during that time, during the drinks break, during halftime, before he did his interviews, which remember they're being done remotely, so it's not even as if he was in a room with journalists. He's in one room and all the journalists are in another. There's time for somebody to put a, a screen in front of Parker and go, yeah, we've closed your hype beast tab but don't worry your Bladigan shopping is all safe on there but in this one you can see our striker absolutely smashing their defender in the face for no reason a ridiculously stupid thing to do in the days of no cameras you can see players would try to get away with this stuff but I don't know if he thought it looked more sly than it did but it's the most blatantly obvious like he has to he can't. He, he stops short of him by quite a distance doesn't he and then he has to reach out quite a way to get him he, he doesn't even look slightly natural doing it the one that he did in 2017 that they're now they're taking that as a into account as a previous offense on Manuel Lanzini the Newcastle player I went and had a look at that and 
the quotes from Mitrovic after he was given the ban for it. He said, it's very frustrating for me. These are the rules, but I didn't mean to do this. The, the things they've accused me of, it, it wasn't even a foul in the game. I have three or four incidents like this every match, so I don't understand it. I was I was really surprised. Now, when I had a look at it, it's exactly the same. Running across, ball's gone, keeps running, arm up, elbow to the face. You could kind of understand that, oh, uh, Steve McLaren was getting pelters for his uh, his commentary, but the parts where he was basically throwing his hands in the air and disclaiming any responsibility for Alexander Mitrovic, he had some sympathy for him. If you remember the story of Vinnie Jones' first game at Leeds when he played the preseason match against Anderlecht and essentially, I don't think I've seen it, have I seen it? But the, uh, the reports are that he basically did this, smashed a player in the face off the ball and was heard walking away going, that's the first one of the season. Gordon Strachan got him in a room and told him that if he kept doing that at Leeds, he could just leave now because they needed him on the pitch and they didn't need other players having to come in and trying to cover for him when he was being very well paid to play football and not sit on the sidelines being suspended and then sorted out. Vinnie Jones, he only got two bookings that season and one of them was quite rightly on David Hockaday. Mitrovic just doesn't seem able to uh, to to learn the same lesson and if he does end up with a more than three-game and if it's going to be five out of however many games they've got left, he's absolutely screwed their promotion. And it's brilliant. It reminded me a little bit of Viduka when we were getting relegated from the Premier League. That is, He just had a couple of stupid red cards in there when we absolutely needed him more than ever. And he turned what was, well, he was probably our best striker of that era into someone who, for a time at least, was quite unpopular. I think I've used this example before on the podcast, so forgive me for repeating it, but it reminds me of that idiot mate who just gets into a fight whenever you go out, or when I used to go out, don't do that anymore. But you know what I mean? The one that you've got to keep an eye on, the wild card, and you're all just having a jolly nice time, having a few beers, and before you know it, he's scrapping with some idiot in the corner and you've got to leave. That's what Mitrovic is. I mean, it was two minutes in. It's not even like there was any bad blood there. It's the sort of thing that you sometimes get when someone's put a bad tackle in and they think, right, I'm going to do them next time. He's just a dickhead. He did have Ben White by the throat at Craven Cottage. I don't know if there's any kind of... He's been letting it fester since then and decided he he really wants to teach that polite teenager a lesson that he'll uh, that he was completely unbothered by it. I mean I envy Ben White his cool because you'd have beaten Mitrovic up <laughs> you'd have made him as one person said your Mitro bitch now when it comes to uh, Scott Scotty Parker or is it Scotty Scott Parker I don't know which way around you're supposed to do it Fair to say that Bielsa absolutely handed him a lesson in management with those half-time subs. I think everyone was surprised with Bamford going off. Costa going off, though he did get the assist, he didn't do a great deal. And when you've got Pablo on the bench, you kind of expect that. I think he probably did take everyone by surprise with getting rid of Bamford, because he never takes Bamford off. It seemed almost like he took Bamford off as punishment for scoring. Like he's, he's had words with him about his role in the team, and he's told him goals aren't important, and he's stressed that. So when he'd actually scored one, he's been like, nope. Nope, not following my instructions. Get off the pitch immediately. But I think that probably threw Scotty Scott Parker a little bit. Having someone like Pablo you can bring on is an absolute dream, isn't it, in that sort of a situation? Because he has a bit of a tendency in these games as well. He's done it before, like in the the Millwall game when he dragged us back. I think he's done that for two seasons, actually, when he's essentially decided he's going to win a game by himself. Did the same in this, just came on and made himself the, put himself at the centre of everything. And we just need to keep him fit is the main thing. Don't discount. Tyler Roberts' role in this as well, because if you remember before the lockdown and the pause, there was a, a viable question 
with Augustine injured with his hamstring, that Tyler Roberts could be taken over from Patrick Bamford for the starting striker position. And although uh, Bambo got a very, very good goal to open things up, the rest of it, after last week's stats fest, I did have a, a comparison of um, our first half against our average first half. And attacking-wise, we were so far off. I know we we looked at the possession and how far away from our average that is, but our normal... If you're somebody who can take XG on the chin as a kind of an overall indicator as to whether you're attacking well or not, our average in the first half of a game is 0.8. And in this game, it was 0.18 in the first half. So it's a quarter. We were a quarter as good in terms of opportunities to score as we normally are. And pass percentage into the final third, we normally complete 65% of those passes and this time we only completed 32% and we tried fewer than we normally do we normally try 30 and we tried 22 so there was nothing happening for us in Fulham's half whatsoever at the other end all our defending stuff um, against Fulham in the first half wasn't much different from how it normally is all the what we were doing against Fulham numbers and what we were doing in an average first half was pretty much about the same so the one place where there was a problem was in attack and the solution kind of proves where the problem was. You put Tyler Roberts at nine, a much better player at 10 than Tyler Roberts in, in Pablo Hernandez behind him. And suddenly everything up that end of the pitch looks rosier. It could be that if you'd taken Tyler Roberts off and put Pablo Hernandez on, suddenly you get a lot more from Bamford as well. But um, we didn't test that, so we can't say. I quite enjoyed seeing Roberts up front because I think he does a lot of the, we've mentioned it before, he does a lot of very nice, neat, twisty-turny stuff. But when he's doing it 40 yards from goal, it doesn't feel all that dangerous. When he's doing it in the box, all of a sudden it feels like something's going to happen or at least like they might foul him and give us a penalty, which which we can miss, that kind of a thing. He's quite different. He's not got that aggressive, aggressive Bamford style off uh, outside the penalty area where he's he's hassling defenders, but he definitely gives them different problems that they don't like for different reasons. And for that reason, I think he's a, he's a good option for starting instead of Bamford. But Bamford will start against Luton because he scored, didn't he? And he always does. When you analyse the stats, we weren't quite sure what the exact XG position was. not I said, you know, you don't necessarily need to paint this one as a, as a hill to die on the, X, uh, the XG, but we did outperform XG for once in this game. It did, and Bamford outperformed his XG as well. His chance was only 5%, apparently, but scored it, didn't he? It, this half essentially illustrated how unfair football is because we've played well in so many halves of football this season, pretty much all of them, and we never get what we deserve. And in this, we were terrible and went in 1-0 up. XG then was 0.92 to us versus 0.62 to them, according to Info Goal. Uh, so we did deserve to win. Question about whether it was a fair result. Yeah. Fair to say that, completely based on the second half. XG would indicate it. Was it a 3-0 game? As uh, Steve McLaren said it wasn't and then said it was in the co-commentary on Sky. Maybe not, but we scored three times and I think that's all we care about at this stage. I'd like a expected pass score on Pablo Hernandez's assist for Jackie Harrison and maybe also a expected pass on Matches Click's volley that was perhaps a little less surprising because we already had... Um, the momentum going down the right for the second one, but was well played. But yeah, that would be interesting to see if somebody can come up with some kind of numerical analysis for which dimension of 
the universe Pablo Hernandez pulled that one from. Fulham didn't seem to realise that we were doing the same thing all the time, did they? Like all of our chances came from essentially the same thing, just balls down the right-hand side, cut back to the edge of the box because there was the goal, well, all the goals from it, and then there was one that Jackie Harrison, it was just deflected wide as well. I don't Were they playing without a left-back or something? I'm just trying to work out how exactly we were allowed to do it over and over again. It's quite ironic given that Scott Parker said we were scripted and patterned in the previous fixture, the reverse fixture earlier in the season. As we said on, on Saturday, it probably didn't mean that with the malice that it was taken, but it's always nice to have a stick to beat somebody with, isn't it? I like to think at the end, Bielsa went, the pattern today was we kept putting it down the right and scoring goals. Just to save you a bit of time in your post-match analysis, that's what happened. And God love Gianni Alioski. I don't think we necessarily paid enough of a tribute to him for his beautiful uh, output on, on Saturday. We mentioned the volley that he ballooned high into the stand. Obviously, he scored and did well to score. We didn't pick up at that time on his waving to the crowd and celebrating with the crowd. God bless that, lads. He, he makes me smile. He was good. And I think he's, as we mentioned on Saturday, but the composure in his goal was um, not something that he's known for necessarily, but he, t- he took it very well as the... I was trying to liken it to something. I was watching it back. It reminded me of Home Alone. You know, like how the... The Fulham defenders were very much Joe Pesci kind of going over on the ice and on the micro machines and stuff like that as as cheeky little Kevin McAllister just slotted it into the corner. Great analogy. He's, he's totally like Kevin McAllister. What did you make of the uh, the crowdies that Johnny was waving to and, and celebrating in the direction of? Oh, good fun, wasn't it? It added something. Better than seats. At half time, I wondered if it might have helped because I think there'd have been those murmurs, those Allen Road murmurs, even though we were 1-0 up, there'd have been people getting a bit cross and that have been the crowd had definitely been getting upset with the amount of a, attacking that Fulham were doing whereas as it is maybe it was nice that the players could just not have to hear that and they could just go off and get some proper advice from a genius rather than have a load of idiots yelling at them and I include myself in that especially given the uh, Brentford West Brom score which did put the pressure on and however that game turned out it was always going to put some pressure on but that's your opponent playing in the build-up to a, a Leeds game, especially when Leeds are at Elland Road, it definitely increases the the tension. And if you're not ready for it, it can be very difficult. Whereas um, cardboard tends to be quite calm in these situations. I enjoyed seeing as well someone on uh, someone on Twitter pointing out that Jackie Harrison was celebrating next to their a picture of their dog that died a few weeks ago. So it was nice that they got to see that. I mean, it, the sort of thing that. You know, a few months ago, you'd think, is, your, is Jackie Harrison going to get celebrated with a picture of your dog? Probably not, but there you go. So there's some nice things have come out of it. I can't remember which tweeter it was that did it, and I wouldn't want to name them anyway on this, but um, I did see a tweet on Saturday saying, did anybody else see a picture of the gimp mask next to Jack Harrison when he scored? Because you couldn't really make it out, because obviously it was, like, it was like a black Labrador or something, wasn't it? It was a, a black dog, and all you could kind of see was the shiny nose. And I wonder what sort of a window that opens up into that particular tweet as well. It's like when you see someone complaining about the being served a, a dubious advert on the internet, and someone posts out points out that that's based on previous browsing history. Returning to West Brom, then they seem to have developed a really terrible case of the yips. They're not looking in good shape at the minute, are they? Which is great. Their striker wears number four, so they're not. You know, they've not scored for something like seventeen hours, and they're not going to score for seventeen more until. Um, he puts a different shirt on, so I think that's that's really at the root of their problems. It's more than that. It's more than that many hours. It was it was back in the end of February their last goal. I mean, that's months without scoring a goal. Pathetic, a league goal anyway. 
But yeah, it's nice that they can score. They're doing they're leading it up. Let someone else lead it up for a change. It gives us the uh, the chance to just Newcastle it up or something and just stroll to victory in the championship for a change. Do you think it's kind of flipped that switch on for Leeds fans and maybe for the players as well? This was the the big psychological hurdle for both of us to overcome because we're now 14 points from promotion. It's really there for the taking. Did I not make myself clear on the match ball? You did. Yes, I just I was asking it in a kind of a everybody question, not just you with your ridiculously arrogant confidence. I can only speak for myself. I mean, this year there are two places up for grabs because as much as it felt like we messed it up last year, because Norwich kept winning and were clear by a fair distance at the top. We were essentially playing for one place. To lead it up now, we need to be outperformed by two teams, which I don't think is as likely to happen. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it does definitely feel like a major difference. Eight-point gap to third. That's what? It's essentially a three-game turnaround with seven games left. Numerically speaking, all the evidence points to us doing it. Are you happy to commit like Moscow White has done in saying that Leeds are going up, Michael? Mm, not quite. I did nearly convince myself earlier when I was looking at, we'll kind of come on to it, but looking at what's going to happen post-Luton. If we beat Luton, which we should, then it looks difficult for us not to go up, which I know is a very convoluted way of saying, I think we probably will. And which is your way of actually saying that you're really looking forward to the odds after that game so you can stick more money on us not doing it. Absolutely, yeah. It'll go to about... Well, I noticed a bet on us to go up is now like... You you get basically getting like a £101 back if you bet 100 quid on us to go up. The bookmakers think it's done. I think there's, a, there's always a sign that somebody has a gambling problem when they're, they're giving the examples in round £100 bets. It's not... You, you can bet... Uh, you can get £11 back for betting a tenner. no. They'll give you a they'll give you a hundred and one pounds if you stick a hundred pounds on because that's how in control of my betting I am. When the fun stops, etc. Well, we're recording on the 29th of June, Monday. Uh, as it stands, Jean Kevin Augustin's deal expires tomorrow, Tuesday, the 30th of June. It feels like something needs to happen there, doesn't it? He says, stating the obvious. It's not good enough, though, is it? You don't know that. They could, right now, be doing another exciting video of him like signing a contract in the dark. So it's all dramatic and stuff and then giving it a soundtrack and we'll get that on, on Twitter tomorrow and everybody will be dead happy. I mean, having our big signings in the last couple of January windows have been Kiko Casilla and Jean-Kevin Augustin. I think maybe we should just not. In future, were we all in favour? Just just do our business in summer? I think you've forgotten Lawrence DeBock. Christ. He was the year before, wasn't he? Yeah, and to be fair, we got Tyler Roberts at the same time, but that's... Uh... Who was fucked as well, actually. You've got to remember, we, we did sign him and then he didn't play for six months. Yes, because he cracked his, uh, he cracked his shin in training. He, we didn't sign him fucked. He, he got well, fucked instantly, which seems to have been the, the same problem with uh, Big Kev that he's arrived, got fucked, can't can't it sounds like he can't get his hamstring strong enough so that he can do the fitness work to make him fit enough for Bielsa's team so he's got this kind of this this double problem that's just holding him holding him back all the way and uh and we've just decided we'll just pretend he was never here and then drop 18 million pounds on him in the summer because we have to and we don't want to get sued to shit uh do we blame any of this on the, the transfer policy on, on Victor Orta there have been links with him 
going to uh, well a fictional club somewhere in Europe, Red Bull something. A drinks company is is going to work at a, a fizzy pop factory, as far as I can tell. I mean, if you think how much we've spent on the wages of two strikers who've not played this year at all, more or less. It does raise some questions about him. We could have probably just kept Kemar Roof for all the bother that we've had with Nketi um, going back and now Augustin. But I suppose it's easy to look at these things with hindsight and because at the start of the season we were saying what a great deal Nketiah was and how he was better than Roof and how he'd have more of an impact even if he was just coming off the bench. And When we signed Jean-Kevin Augustin, everyone was comparing him to Mbappe, saying how he'd scored all these goals when he was younger and he was such, yeah, such, a, hot, was such a hot prospect that scum were after him as well and it was amazing that we'd managed to sign him and it's not exactly gone well has it and all of that ignores Patrick Bamford because that's been the biggest problem is we could have signed the best strikers in the world and Bielsa's just going to pick Bamford so it doesn't matter and I think that's been part of the problem is that we've been trying to recruit for backup striker Kemal Roof wasn't happy to be backup striker unless he was going to be paid the same as Bamford, and I imagine he probably would have wanted some guarantees about playing because he he basically had a an offer of being back up to Patrick Bamford or playing in the Europa League and getting football all the time and and the wage that he was asking for. So that's a pretty tempting offer for for Roof. And then the two players that we've we've brought in, they've both been given the challenge: stay fit and get that idiot out of the team. And uh, well, Moscow, you're going to be in trouble again. And neither of them have been able to do it. So you've got to say, on the one hand, I mean, we said it about Enkesia quite a lot. If he'd stayed fit, if he was as good as he was supposed to be, then he should have waltzed into that team and Bamford wouldn't be a problem. And then on the other hand, you've got to say congratulations to Patrick Bamford for spending a season fully fit, which, remember, he basically completely broke his knee twice last season and then playing at such a high standard that Marcelo Bielsa won't consider starting a game without him at number nine. And under those circumstances, you know, Victor Orta could have signed absolutely anybody and they still would have been faced with the same problem of a fit Patrick Bamford playing every game and doing everything that Marcelo Bielsa has asked him to. Is Patrick Bamford an idiot, Moscow? No, but he, he often does a very good impression of being one. It's that old uh, that old joke of um, somebody wrote a, a letter of complaint to a baseball team manager and he wrote back to them saying, oh, I, I need to draw your attention to this letter that I received and uh, some idiot is writing letters and putting your name on them. And it, sometimes it feels a little bit like that with uh, Bambo. Not only um, a goal scorer at the weekend, but after, admittedly, he did give the ball away a little bit cheaply to, to start this Fulham attack, but got all the way back and took advantage of when their player miscontrolled in our penalty area and, and got the tackling to get clear. And um, and would big Kev with his hamstrings not in good condition and not trained up to the Bielsa requirements have been able to do that in, in that situation on Saturday. I'll take the idiot. I like him. I, I just I, I like him more when he scores lots of goals. I was absolutely waiting for the ref to give a penalty for that, by the way. When he went down, I just sort of went, oh, oh, he's not giving it. Okay, <laughs> fine. Maybe don't show a replay of that to anyone. The replay of it was fine, actually. There was there was nothing wrong. I think no. he, was, he was a little bit lucky to get away with having made that mistake in the, in the first place. But then 
the commitment to get back and then ride your luck a little bit to uh, to get the tackle in. Um, I mean, it's funny that the the game in which I probably have least problems with Patrick Bamford all season is the one where Bielsa just drags him off at halftime and chucks him in the bin. But there we go. I didn't even mind him being on his phone. That's how much. Didn't care. If he wants to text somebody, if he wants to write a letter to a friend, absolutely fine. I don't think it affects his uh, his concentration or his application or his commitment one bit. Other things that are not allowed inside stadiums, drinking within sight of the pitch. There are some funny rules around stuff like that. I think it was around uh, when we, were, we might have been poking fun at Norwich for something. Somebody tweeted us to say that, um, you know, there's the hotel with rooms that overlook the pitch at Norwich. And if you are to have a drink in your room when there is a football match on, you are supposed to close the curtains because it's illegal to drink within sight of a football pitch. It's just completely daft. However, the reason I bring this up is because there is now talk of a campaign to change the law uh, with regards to that. Clubs seem to be having some chats behind closed doors and and might be approaching the authorities soon about it. It might be a bit soggy, would be my main complaint. I don't want to get so wet when I'm at a football match. The idea of it is, guys. They're not going to pour it from the roof of the stand. It's got to be served in in cups. You can imagine, though, can't you? It's going to get... If it's just if we score in like the forty eighth minute when everyone's just been to the bar, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a clean up job. But I don't it is a daft rule. It's particularly stupid when there's I've been at games like I remember going to watch Halifax Town play, I think it was when Wakefield still had a team, it was like oh, it might be Wakefield and Emily or something. But we were in like in the bar there and there's about forty people at this game and me and my mate was still having a pint on the little balcony bit and the guy was like, You're gonna have to go in there and I'm gonna have to shut the blinds if you wanna finish them. And you're like, Oh come on. I've got. If, I don't even got anyone I could throw it at. If I wanted to, I couldn't cause trouble. Eh? So for things like that, it, it'd be nice to treat football fans like adults. I'm in favour of that. It is a completely ridiculous rule, given it doesn't apply at, at rugby and, and cricket. I am slightly aggravated by this report because fans have been campaigning for years for safe standing and really getting absolutely nowhere. And then all of a sudden, we've got Premier League club chairman claiming one uh, club chairman is quoted in the times saying that the ban the, this ban encourages binge drinking because you've got fans trying to down three or four pints in an hour or less before the game a law change could promote more responsible drinking and behavior and the law change i think also and what he's not saying would promote the club's ability to sell beer to fans inside the stadium rather than going to uh, to what uh, Massimo Cellino called that kiosk over the road um, and drinking in, in pubs and doing their pre-match binge drinking there. And I think this is probably the main driver from this is a lot of clubs looking quite reasonably at their collapsing bottom lines in a mid-pandemic football landscape and going, can we just sell them more beer? Ask, ask government if we can sell them more beer. Well, we can't do it in the ground. Can we change the law? I suspect for the like. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Some spurs as well who've got phenomenal amounts of corporate hospitality. Because these rules apply if you're in a box as well. It sort of gives them a bit more scope to just invite people along for a nice day out like it's at the cricket or something where you can just sit and get pissed all afternoon it does open it up to a non-football supporting market i would say people please do not be fooled into going all out in support of this Uh, maybe support this but also say we can we have safe standing at the same time not uh not suddenly giving us something that we've not actually been asking for and bring back smoking so we can't smell everyone's farts because that's disgusting in the cop well it's luton on Tuesday, a uh, very quick turnaround between games this time. They're shite, aren't they? But we need to be careful because Saturday against Fulham, the, the victory there is going to be rendered absolutely pointless if we don't go out and win this. And we need to treat it with the same magnitude because they are in a decent run of form, only one defeat in eight. It does have a slight Wigan flashback vibe to it, does Luton at home. One of those that when you go down the fixtures, even at the start of the season, you go, yep, three points. What's the game after that? Because that one's already won. But please, let's just win. We can, can't we? There's no reason we shouldn't. They're not very good. We've got Nathan Jones back. We, we've kind of got his number now after he uh, had that, that win against us for Stoke, which admittedly was the best day of his life. But So I'm kind of glad he had it. But let's ruin his life now. There are a few bad portents around this that aren't particularly to do with us. It's more to do with the scheduling. The fact that Reading versus Brentford kicks off at six o'clock. So that will be just finishing when we're starting and Fulham are at QPR starting at 6.30. So they're going to be midway through the second half when we get going against Luton. And that's that's just a time frame where that window between the, let's say, stoppage time in Reading versus Brentford, and all the games are taking longer as well because of the drinks breaks. So it's not like before where that game would be finishing at 7.45, starting at 6. That game will finish about 15 minutes into our game. And the the QPR versus Fulham match, that will just be entering its its last 15 minutes of, of normal time. And that's when there's going to be a flurry of goal updates with Brentford and Fulham both scoring about 20 each. 
and that's the moment Luton score and it's Izzy Brown who uh, so far this season for them 24 games one goal seven assists he has a uh, an average xg of 0.08 I think I saw earlier it's very low anyway so he's due a goal I did also notice I had a look at his heat map because I was intrigued as to whether Izzy Brown has been tearing up for Luton and his uh his heat map, um, he kind of tends over towards uh, the Luke Ayling side of the defence, but his other big hot, stop, hot spot is the centre circle. So I think he might take their kickoffs. I think that's one of his main main bits of action. We did find out he wasn't very fit at Leeds. Maybe that's just where he stands. Maybe even at a, in his 20s, he's turned into a kind of latter-day Jan Molby, just sit, standing around the centre circle, spraying passes around. The other interesting statistical uh, factor to take into account with Luton is... Uh, I did consult uh, whoscored.com about their characteristics. They're apparently very weak at defending attacks down the wings, which is good, and also defending against long shots, so Click might get a goal. But they're strong, it says, at finishing scoring chances, which perhaps explains why they they have the fourth worst scoring record in the league. But I'm not doubting uh, whoscored.com's assessment there. I'm sure that's... Absolutely right. From the chances they get, isn't it? When they do get them, when they do occasionally create one, they have a tendency to finish it. I think it's what he's saying. Yes, there is no mention of creating chances in their strengths or indeed their weaknesses. So just assume they don't. Oh no, Oh, opponents, they're, they're weak at stopping opponents from creating chances. That's where it comes in. Maybe they finish those as well. I don't know, I'm, I'm an amateur when it comes to, to statistical analysis. We noticed. Right, one other thing. And is this going to be a factor? We're in the middle of a two-game run at home, so we don't have all those logistical headaches to overcome in terms of travelling and perhaps even overnight accommodation, that sort of thing. And it's a you know, quick turnaround over these, these few days. Whereas Luton, on the plus side, it does mean they are getting out of Luton, but they have had two away trips. They've got a long old trip to Swansea, and then they've got this game against us only a couple of days later. Is that going to be a factor? They've been abroad. Nice for them. Very nice. They won as well, didn't they? The Swansea came back and won their first game and were meant to be the team that was going to be pushing on with their hideous manager leading the charge. But then lose at home to Luton doesn't feel very doesn't feel very promotion-y, does it? As we're about to find out. <laughs> Nathan Jones got very, very giddy about that. He said, uh, structurally, we were excellent. We pressed at the right times. They gave me everything. And that's what I love about this group. Absolutely love about this group. They want to work hard. They love it. There's no pretentiousness about it. No superstars. They are phenomenal. And I love the group and they gave me that today. All it comes down to is our hard work as a football club, our work as staff. And if we can do good work, then they will want to follow that out. And that is what is really pleasing. And I think he uh, he followed that up by saying, I'm still really, really sorry I binned you off to go to Stoke and now I'm back. I just want to stress, I love you. I love the fans. I love the staff. I love everything. I love oh, I love everybody in this group. Stoke meant nothing to me. It was just... I'm not just a- back for the kids. It's you as well. I've realised. I've realised <laughs> what we had. <laughs> and... Um- Jones was also getting a, a wee bit giddy when it came to talking about Leeds in his pre-match press conference. Absolute kudos to him. And this is an early hero nomination for little Jones. Uh, he says he's really looking forward to going to play at the European champions Leeds. That, that's us. So he knows what happened in 1975. And thanks to the lads at Leeds Live who flagged this one up in their um, their coverage of, 
of Luton's press conference. But um, he was he's well looking forward to coming to Ellen Road. I think he, he's slightly in awe of the whole thing, which probably explains his uh, his whole Christ-like demeanour. You know, when Stoke beat us when he was in charge there. Uh, but you get the sense that there's kind of a, oh, hello, Mr. Bielsa, about the whole thing. If you remember when he came back and we beat him with Stoke, there was that photograph of him going on the pitch at the end of the game, taking photos of Ellen Road on his phone. We should just offer him a job before this game because he will take it. Club chaplain. <laughs> just get Bielsa on the phone to him. Say, look, just sack it off. Yeah. Before the game even, just yeah, have a little word. Come on, come sit in my dugout. I've got, look at this. Look at this. And he pulls out of his bag a little training top with his initials on. Do you want to put this on? Come sit next to me. Come on. Come on, and he'll do it because he loves us. But then there is the risk then that they might put Mick Harford in charge and he might terrify them into getting a result. Is he still there? He feels like he's always been there. Apparently he is currently the chief recruitment officer. Managed to keep his job even as they uh, they got rid of the, um, the the old manager that they had who they decided they couldn't afford because of the pandemic. But um, as far as I can tell, he is still there and still really, really hard. We win this one, don't we? Please. Yes, obviously. That's the right answer we were looking for, Moscow. Yeah, we. I mean, we should. Despite all our existential terror about being Leeds fans and everything that happened last year and all the stuff that's happened over the last 10 years, we should, on balance of probabilities, win this game. And Pablo isn't 100% fit, but is ready to play. Would you chuck him in or would you maybe keep him on the bench? Is he not 100% fit still? Is that how they said that? Because if he's not 100% fit, don't risk him yet. Yeah, I would, uh, I would do a repeat of... Saturday start with the same starting 11 um, and see if we need to finish with the same finishing 11 well no we finished with Pablo on the bench again see if we need to bring him on for his special teams contribution again where he shuffles on for 20 minutes plays like prime I was going to say Zidane but I may as well just say Pablo Hernandez and then take him off again I think part of the thing about us leads in it up and things we have got to remember that for the majority of our time outside the Premier League, we have not been run properly. We've not been a good team. We've been a shambles on and off the pitch. So when things have gone wrong, we've generally deserved it because we're run by idiots. This is actually only our second season of having trying to run a proper football club and it nearly worked last year. So maybe it's different. Maybe we don't need to think, oh, well, this is just like when Kevin Blackwell lost a playoff final and this is just like when Gary Monk fucked it up and when Thomas Christensen had us you know, top after like I said, people should like throw that in there as well with what leads messing it up. But we were top of the league after about seven games under Christensen. It's not like we were getting into March and we were still there and managed to throw it away. It was just a decent bit of early season form. Things are different. They really are. Someone agree with me? I do agree. And I think Twitter is probably unhelpful when it comes to stuff like this, because it's a platform by which everybody externalizes their fear, isn't it? I think all of us on an individual basis on this podcast and anybody listening would say, yes, I understand that to be the case. Based on the evidence available, we should beat Luton Town and we should go up this season. But there's that nagging doubt, isn't there, based on all this stuff that's happened and all all those years have been run by clowns that makes you worried that we might bollocks it up, particularly because last year is so fresh in the memory. However, it's not forced to always be that way. But with something like Twitter, that's where you externalise that fear because... It just well, it allows you to externalise it, and it's not a place for considered opinions all that often, is it? So you just tend to get a lot of people going, "Oh, we're going to fuck this up," but it's all it's all sort of ruined in humour as well, isn't it? It's a coping mechanism for the pressure. 
I think so, yeah. And I think sometimes the very positive people don't understand that that's what it is. Like, I am completely guilty of it, that I just tend to go, oh, well, that's that's that ruin then, as soon as anything goes wrong. But it's some. I'm looking for reassurance and hoping that by thinking the worst, something better might happen. And the best case scenario for it this week is that we end up six points clear of West Brom at close of play on Tuesday. And they're going to have a... I think it's going to be a difficult game for them at Hillsborough. Gary Monk's group, they've had a good result at the weekend. And... That's, that is just not going to be easy, particularly, I think, as West Brom seem to be really wobbling. And we've seen in the games against us that they can shut up shop fairly effectively. I'm sure we'll go into this with a fairly similar strategy to the games against us where we'll just try and nick it 1-0. And West Brom now are in the point, position where even draws in any game for them is looking like a bit of a wobbly result because Brentford are breathing down their necks. So where's the end-of-season promotion party going to be, in theory? Well, give some love to Eden J. Harris on Twitter, who's been looking after the booze baton slash sangria stick since the start of the season. In short, the destination for the end of season promotion party started at Leeds in August, passed to Stoke when they knocked us out of the League Cup and changed hands in that manner and so on and so forth. Um, so thanks to it, ended up with clubs who were in Europe. We ended up putting a domestic and a European split in to give us uh, some party options at home and abroad pre-COVID. We're still following it because why not? Current state of play is this. Atletico Madrid keep winning in Spain. They were holding the uh, European version, but they are playing away to Barcelona on Tuesday night, so we may end up seeing it, that one changing hands. As for the UK one, well, an air of inevitability to this one. It ended up back at Liverpool after they beat Palace four goals to nil. Will they take their foot off the gas now because they've won the league? I don't know, because they travel to Man City on Thursday, so that may end up shifting destination again. Dirty years are here. We keep going. We wanted the we want the records. It's such a special club. Such a special city. No idea. I hope Man City beat them. <laughs> I don't want to have to go to Liverpool for it, I don't think. I think this they seem all a bit too happy. If we are to go up, who do you think will be more unbearable? Will it be us or Liverpool? They set a very high bar um with their over the last thirty years. Really. I can't be too mad at them because James Milner continues to be a wonderful human and I don't mind Klopp they are a ridiculously good team it must be said as much as they, the fans can be a bit um, I don't know they seem to think they're they're a bit exceptional at points as a team they actually are I think that'll have to be our defence as well next season if anybody's thinking we're getting above our station we'll just say, well, we are an exceptionally good team with Marcelo Bielsa focused on bringing through the academy talent what's it like then for the lads that don't make it and this week on The Athletic, Phil Hayes got a piece with Matt Downing, who has just left the academy at Thorparch after a spell being hammered by injury. Plus, Phil's going to be doing a bit on Bielsa's use of substitutes, like we saw at the weekend. We're going to be getting into those bits with him on The Phil Hayes Show, the podcast that we do as part of our partnership with The Athletic. Watch out for that every Friday morning. And this week, we're going to be reflecting on Fulham and Luton and previewing Blackburn as well. Be warned, though, not quite as much high-level sort of knitwear chat on that show as you get in this one. It is a, a tiny bit more football-y. And everything at The Athletic is ad-free when you're a subscriber, including those podcasts. The 50% square ball discount is still in place for a limited time only. It's at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains from through the week then now. Uh, the Ken Bates Villainy Award is first. As are part of the rules of this, this particular feature, Ken Bates has to get a nomination. What's he having a nomination for this week? Just because he's back in the league, um, I want to nominate him for ever offering Neil Warnock the Chelsea job because he always talks about it. And the reason he does it is because Chelsea have, in the last, well, in the, in the Abramovich era, have been massively successful. And Neil Warnock likes to pretend that he was offered a job at that Chelsea. 
and that people think he's a great manager and has always been capable of managing a team that's winning Premier League titles. He was offered the job by Ken Bates when Chelsea was shit because he's shit and the record needs setting straight on it. Other shit managers, Scotty Parker for his lack of sartorial elegance, the Blardigan. Are Are we putting him in for this? A combination of the Blardigan. I think he's he's looked as closely at that as he did at Alexander Mitrovic's elbow on Ben White. He doesn't know what he's wearing. I think maybe it might be one of those where, you know, if you wanted to be kind to him, somebody might just point out to him to go, what is that? And he'll look in a mirror and he'll go, fucking hell, I'm dressed like a pillock. What he'll say to you is, this blazer is in fact knitted like a cardigan made from 100% extra fine merino wool in half Milano stitch for sturdiness. It's double-breasted with a full-button fastening, 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 as you say, like, I don't fucking know, with notch lapels and patch pockets for a casual feel. The merino fibres make it lightweight and soft. You offer good insulation in cold weather if you're going up north, and the piece has been garment-washed for extra softness. Ideal for layering, can be styled as a blazer while offering a laid-back slant. Perfect for bridging a gap between formal and casual looks. That's all he was going for. And confirmed that it was indeed a Blardigan. We were correct when we made this this guess on the match ball. This blazer is in fact knitted like a cardigan. There you go, in black and white. Case closed, Your Honour. Next witness, whatever it is that they say in court. Right, somebody else that's a, a crap manager, Dean Smith. Why? <laughs> he just had a lovely little sulk. It's not going well for him, is he? After it's, it's funny in the Premier League, all those teams that were saying how they were going to hit a great streak of form just as soon as they were allowed to get back playing and shouldn't be automatically relegated. They're all just as shit as before, maybe even worse. But Dean Smith, a bit like... Um, I mean, the one point he's got came as a result of cheating, essentially, by not allowing Sheffield United to score when they had already had the ball in the net. But as we know, that sporting integrity wasn't an issue there. But this is an in- the sporting integrity has been an issue again for him because they've had four games in 11 days. And he went, thank you very much for that. How could you? How could you? Jack's tired. And he's very special, is Jack. He's the most special player ever. He gets fouled all the time. People came kicking him and he's already tired. So we've had Ken Bates, Scott, Scotty, Scotty, Scott, Scott Parker. Old beetroot features there. Who else? I was just going to throw it back to the uh, the Neil Warnock going to Chelsea thing. If I'm right, and it was around sort of 1991, 92 time when we were winning the league, you can see why he wanted to go because he would have been able to field a midfield field of midfield, with Craig Burley, Andy Townsend, Dennis Wise, and Vinnie Jones. I mean, an opportunity like that does not come along every day. No Frank Lampard there, but um, the people, the Derby fans in particular, who bought Frank Lampard crowdies and gave us 25 quid for the privilege of, uh, of them being thrown in the bin. Uh, thanks for the cash. That was handy. There was... Um, there was some other Derby-based nonsense in there as well. I can't remember who they, they tried to put in. Oh, there was um, Kim Jong-un. I mean, that might actually have been a, a Leeds fan. But um, uh, Jack Marriott, who scored their goal for us and then um, uh, against us, sorry. And then, yeah, this this weird Frank Lampard isn't your manager anymore. If you were to go running up to Frank Lampard in your little Derby County top with the little bull on it or whatever he won't care he won't know what you mean he doesn't have any memory of it he's wiped it he doesn't know you you were nothing to him and that's it he's 100% Chelsea 
until they sack him and he goes to West Ham. But there's good, there's absolutely no no connection. He's never going to be your friend again. And never was, actually. And never was. Are those all our candidates for villainy then? Got a winner? Give it to Scotty. Yeah, Parker. He was annoying. Should have worn a Parker. That's what he should have done. A reliable item of clothing. Something something recognisable. Not something you have to Google to try and work out what it is. And I know it's been quite popular on social media, but we do need to just give a, a little bit more time to Marcelo Bielsa just waving a finger in his face and saying, no. <laughs> Which is a wonderful... We, I was certainly hoping that the... Uh, the ghost games would give us a little bit of an insight into what gets said on a, a football pitch. And um, I don't know if you heard, it's, um, is it Lukaku complaining and Victor yeah. Moses has, uh, has not got a crossover to him. And you hear him quite clearly on the, uh, the Serie A microphones going, Victor, fucking hell. But to have captured that it's the way Bielsa watches him and is probably listening to what he's saying and translating it. And then he kind of, he realises what he's saying and just maintains the eye contact and just says, no. And there's no response. Parker's just like, oh yeah, all right, yeah, I'll stop. And that does segue us nicely into the Andy Hughes Hero Award because Marcelo, he can have a, a nomination for that because he's put out a football team there in the second half. That's uh, Well, even over 90 minutes, we beat them, didn't we, regardless of the performance in the first half. It's been a good weekend, so I'm sure there's going to be lots of nominations in this. So let's rattle through these. Marcelo Bielsa right there at the top. I would also like to nominate Marcelo Bielsa for fucking with Phil Hay, which is um, not related to me not being on the, the Phil Hay show anymore before anybody wonders. That's in, that's a completely different decision. Or I decided I wasn't really bringing much to that particular party, so I'm not going to be on it for a bit. But Phil wrote last week after Bielsa's first press conference, he opened it by saying that Bielsa sat to the right he always sits to the right to chaperoned by Diego Flores, translated next to him. So at the next press conference, Marcelo um, Bielsa sat to the left because he ain't fucking around. You never know what he's going to do one moment to the next. Do not predict Marcelo Bielsa. Next time Scott Parker's sounding off, he'll probably walk up to him and go, yes, Parker won't know what day it is. It's funny you should say that about you stepping off the, the Phil Hayes show because off air you said it was down to the sexual tension. No, I didn't. <laughs> who else should we nominate then loads of heroes in here Pablo Hernandez for that pass for being him for puffing his cheeks out for just being a wizard I think for getting in the team of the week while not even playing a full half of football just came on did his thing fucked off thank you very much I'll just do the same next week I mean if he can do that for us in the Premier League that's fine I accept that if we go up he's you know his legs are not going to be necessarily suited to playing a full season in a tougher league but if you can just come on and do stuff like that, that's absolutely fine by me. Nominate matches click um, off the back of that as well, because Pablo did kind of make Click's 100th game for Leeds a little bit stupid. He could have done half as much and walked away with all the plaudits. And, you know, it's it was his big day. He played a beautiful pass to put Jackie through to, to cross for Alioski to score. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how hard Click works. Nobody cares how many games he's played. Nobody cares how good that pass was. He tries too hard. That's his problem. So I think a little heroic nomination for Click, because God does love a trier, um, and I love him too. And just, for, and just for the redemption story as well, you know, from the being bombed out on loans and now playing absolutely every bloody minute, whether he likes it or not. It still doesn't quite work out that, though, as a Hollywood tale, because you, you'd have to write a villain 
and him being bombed out by the the nicest football manager. Oh, um, oh. We know. <laughs> I thought he just had gone down to uh, yeah. Well, well, I send him to Holland. You take that to the uh, <laughs> the script writing room, and you'd you'd probably rework that character to make, give it a little bit more believability. Yeah, it'll be really it'll be really smiley and have a really high pitched voice. When it comes to God loving a trier, God Marcelo Bielsa does love a trier, Pat Bamford, so he can have a nomination this week as well because he can finish. He is a goal scorer. You see, you see, it's a good goal. And credit for Tyler, to Tyler Roberts as well for learning from Pat Bamford. Do you see how high he jumped? He could have put that ball under the crossbar and Tyler Roberts would have still jumped over it. Uh, Jenny Alioski has made a smile this weekend. So I feel it would be remiss of us not to at least give him a mention in this because he reminds me every week. I don't know exactly why it is I love him. It's not quite quantifiable, but I just love him for being who he is. It's Maybe it's like a, a circular bit of logic. I don't really know. But Jenny Alioski, I love you for being Jenny Alioski. There is a risk that we're just going to go through 1-11 to 11 here, but Ben White is also getting it because um, that's two games now and I know I keep saying this and I said it before the Fulham game started Mitrovic got nothing from Leeds this season um, that he didn't get by cheating and uh, even when he tried to cheat on Saturday he got nothing from Ben White didn't even flinch I mean admittedly he collapsed to the floor injured but but he didn't flinch the camera did cut to him uh, like a few minutes later when it was showing them obviously expecting there to still be a bit of something going on between him and Ben White was just smiling in his face which was great to see because I saw him pointing out on uh, Twitter that you know if that had been Janssen he would have been spending all day trying to kick him or elbow him back just to make a point whereas Ben White just went yeah you know what maybe it was an accident I'll just let you get away with it and carry on with my job a quick uh, reminder that we mentioned Nathan Jones before for correctly acknowledging the outcome of the 1975 European Cup final he's obviously not going to win this but I just wanted to remind, uh, remind us that we mentioned him a little bit since um, is that everybody then? Pablo, Jackie, Pat, Tyler, Alioski, Ben, Click. Did we talk about Jackie yet? Have we not? No, he needs to mention that anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, Jackie, for the Cardiff game, we criticised him for a bit for being Jackie 1.0 in that he got in some good positions and didn't do a great deal, but gets an assist, gets a goal. Can't ask him any more than that. And his goal was a nutmeg as well, which was a nice little tribute to Pablo. Right, so out of those lot, who are we going to give it to? It's a tough field this week. Uh, I'd give it to Pablo just because I think our promotion hinges on him. Yeah, he was the story of the weekend. Can we give a special, I don't know, maybe a certificate and a badge to Alioski? He'd be the most likely to, to come and collect it if we gave him a trophy. So maybe, yeah. He's a bright lad, but daft as a brush, I think is the summary for, for Alioski. All right, well done, Pablo. Continue your uh, your wondrous wizarding ways against Luton, please. Obviously by the... By the time people are listening to this, it'll be confirmed that he's out injured for the Luton game. But um, it was nice while it lasted. Yeah, thank you, Pablo. Thank you for gracing our club with your presence. Um, on the way this week, then, Extra Ball Championship Manager Phil Hay podcasts. The match ball will be back straight after Luton. Bielsa mugs, Street Fighter mugs, coasters, hoodies and more all on sale via our merch store. No bladigans. Just want to stress that just for the record. Absolutely no knitwear that I'm aware of yet. It's all at the squareball.net. We'll catch up with you next time. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.